0: This is a LifeGate Church podcast. Tune in to hear from our team as we encourage you to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. If you want to find out more about who we are, visit lifegate.org.au. Great to be here this morning. Did did you enjoy our time of worship together? Wow, something happens when I do that. It's just a privilege to honor the Lord, hey, to honor the Lord and celebrate Him. The scripture talks about shouting aloud. We haven't been able to sing, and then we could sing, and we couldn't sing. And But to be in church and to be able to declare and to shout and go, God, we love you. We're for you. God, you're great. That's a real privilege, hey? Something happens in our hearts and the atmosphere when we praise him. It builds faith. Let's pray, and we'll dive in. Father, thank you for the opportunity to gather in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the opportunity to worship. We thank you for Gabby and all that's happening at East Hills Girls High School. Father, we pray for favor in that school, for... All the SRE teachers that teach, the people that from Padstow Anglican and Southwest Christian Church and Padstow Baptist and, and Padstow Anglican and all the scripture teachers, Lord, across the churches in this area that goes into all the schools, all the primary schools, Father, may your hand be upon them. We thank you for the opportunity we have. And Father, I pray you'll stir in people of hearts, people's hearts at LifeGate, that, that, that if you want them to be in schools presenting the message of Jesus, that you would um, touch their heart Um Give them a deliberateness, a motivation to do that. And Father, as we come to your word now, that you would speak through me, that you'd anoint me for this task. Give us ears, hearts open to hear from you, those online, those in the room. Lord, that you would speak to us powerfully in Jesus' name. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, um, one, of the, one of the privileges I have as a pastor is, is that I get to do funerals. And um, funerals aren't the most exciting thing to do. Um, but it 's an opportunity to present the message of Jesus, which I love to do. A few weeks ago, um, I, we, we had a funeral in this building for, for a gentleman named Brian. Um, Brian was a man in his 70s. he passed away from cancer, and he was a man that we knew through our community dinner. He'd been coming for a few years um, to our community dinner, built relationships with our team, and then found out that he had cancer and ended up in palliative care. And I uh, went to visit him and and palliative care means your end is soon. So I just talked openly about that. And I said, hey, Brian, how are you feeling? Um, are you ready to go? And he said about, about 70%. Okay. I said, how would you like to be 100% ready to go? And then he went on to tell me that he has this, 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 this hole that he has in his heart, this, this black hole that he feels. And I said, I reckon if you commit your life to Jesus, Brian... Um, I reckon that heart will be, your heart will be transformed. Are you ready to do that? And he said, yes, I am. Now, that wasn't a a one-off step for Brian. Brian had been coming to our community dinner for a number of years. He sat through the Alpha course on the deck. He heard people speak about Jesus. He had my mum in his ear over the cutting up carrots. And Mrs. Green loved to talk about Jesus. And so he had a few years of that. And then right at the end of his life, I was the guy who had the privilege of, asking him the question and leading him in that prayer of salvation. And his testimony from his wife a few weeks later said, that Brian said that, that, that a hole, that, that, that dark hole that, were there, that, that was there, went. Went after he prayed that prayer to commit his life to Jesus. Now, I share that story because um, I had the privilege of doing the funeral. And we were in this room, and we had about 50 people, and Brian's family... Um, Pretty much all of them don't know Jesus. Um, we had some people from our church at the funeral. It was great to have them here. And I shared that story. I, shared, I went to the hospital. I asked Brian how he was feeling, 70%. He had the dark hole. I asked him to commit his life to Jesus. And I shared the story like I just did with you. And then at the end, I said to the um, people who were there, I said, if you'd like to know more about Jesus... Um, come and talk to me, or come and, or go and talk to someone who's from our church community, or just come and speak to me and, and ask me. And I would love to help you take steps to get to know Jesus. And and as I shared that, and we and we finished the service, and I went out to morning um, food on the deck, and I talked to lots of different people. Guess how many people asked me about Jesus? Guess how many people came and said, Nathan. I heard what my dad did, my uncle did, my granddad did, that he committed his life to Jesus. I I want to know more about that. Guess how many people came and asked me that question? Zero. Exactly correct, Hannah. Zero. Zero people asked me, tell me more about Jesus. I just explained to them that their dad, that their granddad, their uncle, whoever it was to them, Brian, had committed his life to Jesus and God did something transformational in his life and they weren't interested. I wonder if you ever felt like that. I wonder if you ever had an experience like that. You've you've, you've built a relationship with someone. You've loved on them. You've you've had the opportunity to share your testimony. This is what God's done in my life. This is who Jesus is. Jesus loves you. He died on the cross for you. He's risen from the dead. He's, 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 He's given you the opportunity to have new life. And you share it, and yet they don't grab a hold of it which in my head says, why not? I mean, what we're offering is the most incredible gift of all, eternal life, relationship with God, sin forgiven. It's the most beautiful gift that God is offering us, and yet they don't want it. The question I have for you this morning is this, why won't they believe? Now, this message I bring today is a tough message. Another warning, friends. This is a tough message. It's not tough in that it's in that the Bible's not clear about it. The Bible is clear about it. But it's tough because we love people. And the answer to this question, why don't unbelievers believe? It's a really difficult answer. It's it's hard to hear. Because as we look at it, we see that people are lost and they're in a really desperate situation. So if you're a Christian today, I'm going to explain to you the state of people who don't yet believe in Jesus, and then I'm going to talk at the end of the message about what to do with that. If you're here today or you're watching online and you are inquiring, if you're seeking out this Christianity thing, if you're here and you're checking out Jesus, I want to tell you that God is doing something unique and powerful in your life right now. That is why you're seeking out, which we're going to talk about more at the end of the message. And If you're an unbeliever, if for some reason you're here, maybe you've been invited by a friend. You're watching online and someone, a friend who's a Christian is inviting you and you're watching this and you haven't bought into Jesus. You, you're, you're not really interested in him, but you hear out of being nice to a friend because they invited you say, so I'll come anyway, or I'll watch anyway. I have a message for you, and it's not my message. It's the message of the Bible, and it's, and it's a tough message. But I also want to tell you there is hope and you have a future in Jesus' name. So I want us to look at this question this morning, why won't they believe? And we could answer this question in many ways, but the, uh, the uh, main thing I want to look at today where, where the Bible points a whole heap is around this, is the, is, the, is the idea that people have hard hearts, meaning that the message does not penetrate the heart. It's like the message is preached and because their hearts are hard, the message bounces off. Let me, let me explain this more. In Matthew chapter 13, we have the parable of the sower. Jesus tells a story of a, of a farmer who scatters seed, and he talks about the, the, um, the, the, the path, the weeds, the rocks, and the good soil. And each one of those soil types represents a certain type of person. And the first, and the first soil type is the path. The sower... Throw a seed on the path, you may be able to see in the picture, the seeds on the path there, and the path is hard, and the seeds cannot penetrate the ground because the ground is so hard. Jesus explains the meaning of this down in verse 19. He says the meaning of that, parable, of that part of the parable is this, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and they don't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This was a seed along the path. They hear the message, but they don't understand it. Is it, they, is it they're just not bright enough to understand it? Is it, they, is it they're not just smart enough to understand it? Well, no, because we know there's heaps of genius people on the planet who have not received Jesus as Savior and Lord. They've heard the gospel, but they, but they haven't believed it. So it's not about smart. It's about the hardness of their heart, and in verse, seven, verse 15, which we're going to look at later, it talks about people's hearts have become calloused. They've become hard and so the message doesn't penetrate, they don't understand it. There's a passage in Romans chapter one which talks about why people's hearts are hard. I've just said that people of hard hearts, have hard hearts. Let's ask the question, why? Why is their hard hearts? Why are their hearts hard? That's better, isn't it? Why are their heart, hearts hard? Well Romans one is this passage that is very strong. This is as three slides. here's the first one. The wrath of God, the anger of God, is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. I always think that, that our guy, David Attenborough, that guy who talks, that really old bloke and talks about the incredible part of the earth, and the, but then he doesn't believe this stuff around Jesus. who is the creator of all things. It says so clearly there that the God's eternal qualities, his divine nature, is clearly seen through his creation. But look what it says in verse 21. For although they knew God, They neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile or foolish and pointless, and their foolish hearts were darkened. In this text, it starts in the verse in Romans 1.18. It says, the wrath of God is being revealed against all people because they have suppressed the truth by their wickedness. They suppressed the truth to a point so far that they can no longer see God through his creation. As a believer, I look at the creation and I go, wow, God, you are incredible. Some of my favorite places are sitting on the beach and looking at the waves and go, oh my goodness, that is incredible. And then I'm on a really long beach and I look at it out just to the horizon and it's all blue and then I see the sand that goes all the way up and the, and the trees and the mountains and I go, wow, you did all that? And this is only a tiny little speck of the whole earth that God has created. I go, God, you're incredible. But the Bible says here that because of people's wickedness, they suppress that truth so much so that they can no longer see God through the creation. It's like a pair of safety goggles I use when I'm mowing the glass, mowing the grass or doing the edges. And people have like they got these goggles on, and as they sin, as they lie. It's like they put a line on their glasses, and then they get selfish, and there's pride, and there's selfish ambition, and I can no longer stay on that side. (laughs) And then there's sexual morality, and all the stuff that Jesus talks about in the attitudes around your neighbor. And after time, because of our wickedness, we can no longer see the truth. That's what it means to suppress the truth they can no longer see. And the Bible says that our hearts have been darkened that we can no longer see the truth because of our wickedness. Now, if you love people, that's hard to hear. And as I'm talking, you might be thinking about your loved ones, those family members, those friends, those people in the street, the ones you work with who don't know Jesus. And i just said they're in a difficult place. They're in a really, really difficult place because their hearts are hard to God and they can no longer see the truth. You preach the message to them and they don't get it because their hearts cannot receive it because it won't penetrate because of their wickedness and their sin. I said it's a hard message. That's what the Bible teaches us, but it gets worse. Did everyone hear that? It gets much worse. Hardness of heart is also the judgment of God. In Matthew chapter thirteen, in the parable of the sower, Jesus has got the parable of the sower is in two parts. He tells the parable, then he goes along, then he goes aside to his disciples, and his disciples say to him, Jesus, why do you speak to the people in parables? And we have this section, and then later on, Jesus explains it. But in this section, where, where, where his disciples say, Why do you speak to the people in parables? Jesus says this. Oh, I missed that scripture. Um, now this is it. This is the one. Jesus says in Matthew thirteen, He says, "Though seeing, they do not see; though hearing, they do not hear or understand." Now that is a really strange answer for Jesus. Why? Why do you speak to the people in parables? Those seeing, they do not see; though hearing, they do not hear or understand. What's Jesus talking about there? Well, he's he's, he's quoting Isaiah chapter six. In, in, in Isaiah chapter 6, we have Isaiah who has the vision of the throne room of God. Remember that story, if, if you know that story. If you haven't read the story, read, read the story. He goes into the throne room and he's blown away by what he's seen. And he says, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. And then one of the angels touches his lips with a coal and somehow that cleanses him. And God says, I have a message for mankind, who will go for me? And Isaiah says, here I am God, send me. Amazing, amazing in this vision. And then God gives Isaiah the message to proclaim. And it's really interesting that the message that, I, that, that, that Isaiah proclaims here is the exact same thing that Jesus says, but the fulfillment of it. Let me show you what I mean. In Isaiah 6, this is a message that God told Isaiah to speak to the people. He said, go and tell these people, be ever hearing, but never understanding, be ever seeing, but never perceiving. That's the bit that Jesus quoted. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew 13. In them is, the, is fulfilled, important, fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. Look at the next bit. Make the heart of this people callous. This is the judgment of God on the people. Why? I'll we'll get there in a minute. Make their hearts dull and close their eyes. Look at what Jesus says, for this, people, this people's heart has become calloused. The fulfillment of the prophecy 700 years ago, they hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. One more, otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. And this is what Jesus says, otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. What's going on here? Well, this is 700 years before Jesus. And Isaiah is speaking to God's people who have rebelled against God over and over and over again. Earlier in the year, we looked at Deuteronomy and how they came out of Egypt and, and they rebelled against God and they wandered in the desert and then they entered the promised land and God said, obey me and you'll be blessed. Disobey me and it's really bad news for you. And over and after, that was like, what year was that? I don't even know now. Um, 1500, 1400, 1400 before Jesus. For the next 700 years, God's people continued to rebel. There were seasons of repentance, but generally it was rebellion and rebellion. And rebellion and God said enough and his judgment on them is hard hearts and then Jesus says that prophecy that 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 Isaiah said the message has actually happened that people's hearts are now hard their ears are now dull their eyes are now blind and they can't see I said to you this is a tough message This is the state of people who don't yet know Jesus. We see hardness of heart due to rebellion, people's own rebellion. As they rebel, their eyes they cannot see. We see hardness of heart because of the judgment of God on people's lives because of their continual rebellion against him. But then it gets worse. Satan's influence. In Matthew chapter 13, um, why won't they believe hard hearts? I said that. Matthew chapter 13, verse 19, the passage I read before. When anyone who hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, Satan, the evil one, comes and snatches away before they consider it. Satan comes against them and steals the message, but then it gets even worse. In 2 Corinthians 4 4, it says, The God of this age, who is Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Satan gives people blindfolds, so when the gospel is presented, this is my wife's um, beautifully coloured, colourfully thing going on. Eye things. Thank you, sleep mask. I like to sleep with the windows open. Um, The blinds open. She likes to sleep with the blinds closed. She normally wins. This is just in case. (laughs) It says that the God of this age has blinded people's eyes so they cannot see. As I said, this is a difficult message to hear. This is a difficult message to hear. When I was at... um Horrid High School as a teacher, we used to go to um, Maryland's Pool. There's a copy of, there's a picture of Maryland's Pool, and the swimming carnival is always on during first term. And we had a heap of kids come from the Middle East come to the school. We had an intensive English center, and within a first couple of weeks of um, high school, they're at school. We all going, we all jump on the bus at the swimming carnival. They all get on the bus and they blow they um, have the first races. And these kids who have su- who have swum in Australia before do the first races, they, and these kids from the Middle East see these people swimming, and they think to themselves, I think I can do that. They don't have swimming pools, they haven't got ocean; they got nothing, they can't swim. And so you can usually tell by the way they enter the water, by their dive or something like that, if they're in trouble, and guess what? They go, blah, 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 blah. And so we have teachers and pool noodles ready to jump in and pull people out because we know what's about to happen. And, and the reason I share that story is because without that person pulling them out... Those kids are going to sink to the bottom, and that's the end of them. People's hearts are hard, hard. Their eyes are blind. The only way, the only way, the only way, the only way for people to come out of their desperate place is for God Himself to reach out his hand and to touch their hearts and soften their hearts. Remove the veil for them to see. Now, people still have a choice in that. They can reject what God God offers them, but God first needs to move on people's hearts and soften their hearts, remove the veil for them to see. In in Mark chapter 17, we have the story of um, the rich young ruler. There's this rich guy that comes to Jesus and says, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And the rich young ruler, and Jesus says to him, Um, the commandments. He goes, I've done them since I was a boy. And Jesus says, one thing you lack, your money is your biggest problem. Sell all you have and and give it it to the poor because Jesus knew God wasn't God. Money was God in his life. And then we have this little thing of where Jesus talks to his disciples and Jesus says this. He says, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Verse 24, the disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Some thought that was a gate, a really, really skinny gate at the time. that camels couldn't go through. It was impossible. Or if you want to think about an actual pin needle and a camel, totally impossible as well. It's easy for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Well, then who can be saved? In other words, no one can be saved, Jesus. It's totally impossible for people to be saved. And Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. The reality of humanity is that we are lost, that mankind is lost, that mankind mankind is far from God. They have hard hearts bailed. The only way... For someone to come to Jesus is for God himself to touch their heart and draw him to himself in John 6:44, really important verse. Jesus says, "No one can come to me. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them and I'll raise them up at the last day." I'll raise them up at the last day. If you're a believer here this morning, oh, you got, this is great news for you. The greatest miracle, we celebrate healings and we celebrate all that stuff, but the greatest miracle God has ever done for you is that he's softened your heart and given you the ability to see and believe. That's your standing in Christ. If, as I said to the people before, those who are watching online or you're here because you're being invited and you're searching out Christianity, I want to say the reason you're searching out Christianity is because God has touched your heart. God has opened the veil for your eyes so that you can see. And now it's your choice because God doesn't make you follow him. He allows you to follow him. And so it's your choice to put your trust in him. And if you're listening to this and you're not a believer and you're watching watching online or you're here for some reason, trying to be polite to someone and you're not really interested in Christianity, friends, this is the message that is your truth. This is the reality of scriptures and it might be hard for you to hear. But let me tell you, if you're watching this, I reckon that God's got his number on your life. That God's put you here. This isn't some accident that you're watching this message online or you're watching the room. God has got you here, I reckon he's moving in you, he's softening your heart, he's revealing, opening your eyes, opening your eyes to see. So how do we respond? How do we respond to this as we come to the end of this message? In our May mission month, we've talked and I've shared two messages about sharing your faith, that God is the God of mission who gives us, that was my first message, Who gives us the model of mission, that God's calling us to go into the world and we talked about um, inviting people, sharing your testimony, doing foundations with someone. In the second message I did, I talked about mission up close and personal, build relationships, get in their lives, share the story of what God's done in your life. We talked about giving $34,000 a year. That's the stuff that we've been talking about and do we need to do that? Absolutely. That's our part. But we can do all that stuff in our own strength and unless we have the move of God, it's just stuff. And so what is our response? Do we need to share our faith? Absolutely. But the message for today, today is this. We need to... Nikki, you want to say it out loud? Pray. Amen. What moves, the heart of God? what moves the heart of God? It's prayer. If we love people, if we're serious about people coming to know Jesus, we need to share, we need to give. They raise that 34000 We'd be investing people, but we need to pray. Pray because prayer moves the heart of God, and it's as we pray He moves. And as you pray for your brothers and your sisters and your uncles and aunties over years and years and years, you will see. You will see the story of my family. My brother ran away from Jesus at the age of seventeen, and he was away for almost twenty years. But my mom continued to pray, and Heather, if you know Heather, continued to pray, and Nikki continued, and the people prayed, and we prayed, and then he returned his life to Jesus. Amen. And that is our story. Let's be people of prayer. So we're going to pray right now. Maddie, can you whack some music on for us? And then after 30 seconds, all I want you to do is just pray. I want you to pray that God would move hearts, those people who you know, that you name them, Name them, the people that you care about, the loved ones, the ones in your neighbours, the ones in your street, the ones in your workplace. Just we start calling their names out. God, I pray that you would save, and call the name out. Pray now, Father. Give us a heart for lost people. May we love them so much that we share our faith with them. But we pray that you would move in their lives. That you would soften their heart. That you would lift the veil. That they may see the light of the gospel. And if you're here today, you've never committed your life to Jesus. If you're watching online, you've never committed your life to Jesus. Today can be your day. Pray this prayer with me. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died for me and rose from the dead. God, I'm sorry for my wrongdoing. Please forgive me. I choose to follow Jesus all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you pray that prayer, if you become a Christian, those online, put a comment in the chat box. Let us know you're there. If you pray that prayer, let us know you prayed it because we want to help you in that journey. If you're here in the room, I encourage you to come to the front and receive prayer. We're going to have a prayer team at the front. But we're going to say goodbye to those watching online. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for joining us on the LifeGate Church Podcast. Our church is a place to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers.